was good. That was, that was pretty good. Like, can we try one more time? Hello, Overlake. Oh, you're so beautiful. You, you're just, you're, you're hot. Um, hey, listen, I want to welcome you. My name is Mike, one of the pastors on the team. This would be a good moment if you want to grab your notes out of your handout. We are finishing just a, a two-week series on the journey. We started it last week, Easter weekend. Now we're wrapping it up. What are the tools that God has given us for the journey that he has launched us on? And I, I just want to begin by saying, you know, I'm raising my kids here in Washington State, and they're growing up with a working knowledge of two men that I had barely heard about when I was in California. And, the, of course, the men I'm talking about are Lewis and Clark. Right, uh, uh, just in California, it never even got mentioned. I don't think in school system down there, it was all about the gold rush and swallows returning to San Juan Capistrano and how to read a surf report. And uh, I, I just, I never really even knew the whole deal. But of course, you who are here in Washington, raising your kids in Washington, you know all about the adventure, the expedition of Lewis and Clark, and um, you know that it was Jefferson who commissioned them, sent them on their way. Uh, you probably already know this, but there are a, a couple of things that they were tasked with. Number one, to cover ground, right? Explore this uh, new, you know, Louisiana Purchase, the new territory. They're gonna have to cross distance. The second thing they, they were tasked with was find a water passage to the Pacific, and they failed. Uh, geography tip, it doesn't exist, right? So that, that they did not succeed there. The third thing was to establish trade relations with the native tribal nations, make friends along the journey. Fourth thing was that they were to stay alive. You know, uh, uh, right up until they died, they were to stay alive. And the fifth thing was that they were to take notes and to learn as they went, take notes of their discoveries so that they could pass on the information that they gleaned. Now, you and I know it was not easy going for them. There were incredible hardships, one daunting obstacle after another. They only vaguely understood the immense scope of the journey ahead of them at a conceptual level, the kind of difficulties that they were going to face, and yet they knew they had to go. They were excited to go. They had been tasked by the president himself to go. And this brings us to our journey, the journey that you and I are on. Friends, we've seen the empty tomb and we have met the risen Savior. We've glimpsed the destination, and now the journey that we're on, the journey of abundant life, the journey of eternity is at hand. And just like Lewis and Clark in their journey, in our journey of life, we realized that we are commissioned into this adventure, not by the president, but by the Lord himself. He's the one who has invited us on this thing. And so we want to take a look at what are some of the things that we can have? What are the tools, uh, the helps that he provides for us so that we can make the most of the journey? If you're filling in the blanks, the first one, really simple, prepare to experience directional difficulties, right? Prepare, understand mentally, get psychologically prepared that there will be directional difficulties along your journey. Some of these are naturally occurring and some are unnaturally occurring. I discovered a couple weeks ago that for those who do traveling, journeying, and, and you use a compass as a primary tool for you, uh, you, you already know this, but I, I discovered it. The, the compass is aligned with the magnetic field of the earth, naturally occurring. 
But there are a couple of things that happen that get that compass off kilter. And the first is called variation. Just a little FYI, I'm dropping a little knowledge on you today. Variation, it's, it's a naturally occurring phenomenon in nature that would, by some kind of a disruption in the magnetic field of the earth, maybe there's some variance, there's some eruption, uh, you, you know, some, you know, think, think the television show Lost, right? That so, suddenly there's this naturally occurring thing where the compass doesn't work. It's not pointing to true north because of some variation. Now, you can sense what the problem would be right away. If you think this is north and you're, you're planning your wilderness journey or your oceanic journey thinking that's north, but it's not north, you're heading some other way, you're going to get in a lot more trouble a lot quicker than you think. And this happens naturally, right? This is just par for the course sometimes. So I bring this up because in your journey and in my journey, there are some naturally occurring events that will happen. These are things that happen through no fault of your own that completely throw you off kilter, totally discombobulate you. Maybe these are, these are natural disasters, maybe. Maybe, they're, um, maybe they're, there's somebody who comes against you. Somebody sins against you. Somebody wounds you deeply. These things happen naturally in the course of a fallen world that we live in. And because they naturally happen through no fault of your own, they get us off kilter. These variances occur. And of course, Jesus tries to prepare his followers for this reality. He says in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You might want to circle the phrase just peace, the word peace, because Jesus is the prince of peace. He wants his followers to enjoy peace. In this world, he says, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's going to be tough, he says. This isn't heaven, not yet. We're still journeying through this fallen world, but in this fallen world, when the variances come, we can journey, what, with peace, because no matter what the circumstances are, we can live as overcomers, because the one we follow has overcome. So that's why these variances, even though they occur, we just be prepared for them mentally, psychologically. They're going to come. Now, this, the second fill-in here, not variance, but it's called deviation. And a deviation happens. This is, this is when the compass that you're traveling with gets off kilter, but it's not by a naturally occurring event. This is by something that you introduce into the environment that disrupts the, the magnetic field. So if you're on some kind of an oceanic voyage and you've got the compass there in your boat and you decide to put a huge magnet right next to that compass and it's going all cattywampus and you're like, wow, what's, what's happening? What, why is it not working? It's because you're an idiot, okay? <laughs> and, and so this idea of deviation, these are the, the way in which we get off kilter and we lose our direction, but it's on us. Like, we're, we're the ones who've done it. We've made the bad call. We've chosen the wrong path. We, we've decided to pursue some pleasure. We've decided to take some shortcut. We've decided to listen to some bad advice. Like, whatever it is, but, but we're the ones, at the end of the day, we say, you know what, that's, that's, on, that's on me. They're not naturally occurring. These are difficulties we bring on ourselves. There's a proverb, Proverb 6, 27 says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Well, I think that's a rhetorical question. 
But we can guess the answer, right? Like, oh yeah, no, if you're scooping fire on your lap, there's probably some third degree in your future. Like that will happen. And who's doing the scooping? Oh, it's me, right? I'm the one who is making this choice. This is the idea of deviation. And, and we will experience d- directional difficulties. This is true for all of us. Sometimes it's because of a variation naturally occurring. Sometimes it's because of a deviation, sort of our own choice. And one of the things I see quite often is that we choose, we, we, we get it deviated from our path because we're listening to the directional advice of less than stellar counselors. So I, I just want you to think about that. I'm going to give you a, a, an example. This is Siri, right? Let's just do a quick, a quick Siri. Uh, let's see if this will work here. All right. Take me to the top of Mount Rainier. I'd be happy to give you directions. Where would you like to go? <laughs> I thought I already covered that. Uh, take me to the top of Mount Rainier. Okay, which, the top would you like? Top pot donuts, top notch resurfacing, or top nails? Take me to the top of Mount Rainier. Okay, getting directions to the Seattle Premium Outlets in Tallulip. Pretty typical of Siri, right? Uh, friends, we, we get directions from all kinds of sources. And the problem is, it's just the world we live in, it's the culture that we exist in, it's, it's the air we breathe. You, you constantly have people pitching directions your way. The problem is when we elevate those and we listen to them and we actually chart our course based on an article in Cosmo or in Men's Health Magazine or because of our favorite radio talk show host. And the problem is, and again, you know, for entertainment purposes, maybe these things could be, maybe not all the time, but might be somewhat harmless, but here's the problem. The problem is they don't care about Jesus and his call on your life. They, they, they couldn't care less about what it looks like to glimpse into the empty tomb, to experience the presence of the risen Savior, and then to journey into abundant life and eternity with him. That's not even on their radar. So the way in which they direct you to go is simply sort of the wild goose chase that they themselves are on. And you and I, we, we've got to be aware of that because anytime we go to these places and we listen and we take into their heart, what it, into our hearts what it is that they're telling us, we're the ones who are getting deviated off the course. Yep. And so friends, we just must be prepared for that. We must recognize that directional difficulties will come and that they're gonna come naturally through variation and they're gonna come unnaturally through our own deviation And so I want to give you a prayer. And for some of you in this room, this is a prayer you know well. Anybody who's involved in 12-step recovery sort of programs, you understand that this is a prayer that is cited globally called the Serenity Prayer. But it was written by a theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr, and he prayed this as millions of others have prayed. I just offer this to you today. He says, God, give me the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, 
courage to change the things which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Right? When we can make a change, let us embrace that change. If we're the ones who are going to all kinds of less than excellent directional guides, let's cease doing that. Let's make that change, right? When we do face things that come into our life through no fault of our own, recognize, hey, we can't make a change here. So let's journey as overcomers, okay? And regardless of the way in which directional difficulties happen, let's prepare ourselves because they will come. Difficulties will come, but we can live as overcomers. The second thing that helps us mere mortals along our journey is, number two, we can pack well for the journey. So pack well for the journey that we are on. I actually saw this picture this week. It was kind of funny to me. It's a camper, and some of you are thinking, hey, I'd go camping if that's what it looked like. Uh, I just want to tell you, you're not going to journey too far down the road if that's how you pack. Now, the first thing that we need when we're packing, we need to pack the trail guide. We need, we need to pack the map that is going to direct us along the route. And in, in this case, it's the Bible. So I, I, I just, you know, here we are in church. Pastor's giving a shout out to the Bible. Everyone's shocked. Like, uh, hey, this, we believe in the Bible. We love the Bible. The, the Bible is God's word and God's will for his followers. It's, it's actually been referred to, and I believe it, this is God's love letter to your soul and to mine. And, and it's the directional guide. This is the trail map to help us navigate all kinds of directional difficulties that life throws us. The scripture says this in Psalm 119, 105. Your words, speaking of the Lord, God, your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and keep me from stumbling. And so, friends, I just, I cannot exhort you enough that, that it's not just that you would have the Bible or that you would read the Bible, but that you would pour over God's words, that you would meditate upon his will for your life, that you would enjoy the scripture, that you would memorize the scripture, and more than anything else, because we're talking about a journey, it's that you would follow what it is that God is encouraging you, how God is leading you, that you would follow the guide and walk in the way that he is urging you, okay? Um, so you start packing well, you, you bring your map. I wanna to talk to you a little bit about some of the gear that you pack, and when, I, when I'm talking about the gear for the journey, the, the gear for the road, this is stuff you bring to the equation. So this would be things like you building into your life times set aside to pray to the Lord, time set aside to read the scripture, time set aside to, to meditate on what it is that God is calling you to do. Maybe I'm a journaler. Maybe this is you building in your life times for, for you to devote yourself to the Lord. You journal your prayers. I don't know what this looks like for you, but only you can bring this to the equation, right? No, nobody else can make this decision for you. You've got to, you've got to pack this. Uh, the second thing I was thinking about was um, the gear is serving those within your parish, serving those around you, serving those in the geography of your journey. Only you can make a conscious decision that you're going to serve those that are around you as you journey, right? This is only something you can bring to the equation. And then the third thing is the, the character qualities, right? And when we're talking about a journey, the, the, the one that stands out the most is the idea of perseverance, steadfastness. Only you can bring this to the equation. 
Lewis and Clark, they faced incredible hardship, you know, harsh winters, humid summers, right? All of this, uh, you know, difficulty along the journey. And, and it was impossible for them just to give up, right? Th think about it. What do they have to do the moment they give up? They still have to travel all the way back. Like, giving up would be impossible for them. And friends, in your, my journey, we, we can't. We got to keep going. We got to keep persevering. We got to keep pressing on. It's, the, it's that quality of keeping on, keep goingness, I said. So that's the gear that we bring to the, to the equation. But in addition to this gear that we pack, you need to understand that there is some equipment that God has brought to the equation. This, in fact, it's you know, that idea of equip, equipping. The Lord himself has equipped you. And so I, I want to read this passage of Scripture, Psalm 139. It says, you, speaking of the Lord, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you understand what the psalmist is saying is God knit you together. God formed you before you were ever born. From eternity past, God has known you and loved you and invested in you all kinds of talent, all kinds of personality. There's, there's all kinds of strength in you. And this is known by God, made by God, equipped in you by the Lord himself. And then if you would, this week I want you to read 1 Corinthians 12, okay, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 12, because this talks about gifts that the Spirit of God gives to each follower of Jesus Christ. And there are all kinds of gifts that the Spirit invests into the people of God, the family of God, but the, the Apostle Paul makes it clear, it's just one Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit giving all these gifts to the people of God. So what this means, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it means not only has God knit you wondrously, miraculously, built strength and, and value into you from day one, before day one, right, in utter seclusion, it says. So all of this is God's plan for you, but he says the Holy Spirit also meets you as a follower of God and puts gifts into you. So here's what I want you to know. This is why this is so powerful. It's because God knew exactly who you would be, when you would be, where you would be traveling, the geography that you would be journeying, the, the culture that you would be journeying through, the people who would be journeying around you, the relationships that you would have as you journey. And, and he's the one who has equipped you to be exactly the right person for this exact time. And what this means, if I can just go one step further by implication, it means you should spend none of your time trying to be somebody else, but all of your time trying to be the man, the woman that God has created you and called you to be, right? You are the exact right person for this exact time. And so, friends, you just embrace it. God is never going to ask you, why weren't you more like this? Why weren't you more like this? Why weren't you like this person over here? Why weren't you the preacher like this person? No, he's just going to say, why weren't you the you I created you to be? Okay. 
So when we pack well for the journey, we need to bring our map, make sure that that's our value. We need to bring some gear. This is the stuff we bring to the equation. But then we need to realize that there's some equipment that God has done that we simply embrace, we put into use as we travel, okay? So we prepare for the difficulties, we pack well for the journey. The third thing is that we make a commitment to journey together, that we refuse to travel alone. And this is that encouragement for community, for fellowship, to be in relationship, to get into a life group if you need a support group. I just want you to understand there's a reason why you didn't grow up reading and studying history about Lewis. Nobody ever heard of Lewis, right? It was Lewis and Clark, right? They, they came together. Why? Because they knew that traveling alone on the incredible journey that was commissioned for them would be tantamount to suicide. It would be absolutely ridiculous, the height of stupidity for them to travel alone. So they gathered companions, and they were very careful about that and very specific about who it is that they were going to journey with. I love this African proverb. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Amen. Well, friends, the journey that is before each and every one of us is a journey of great distance. It's a journey of incredible import. And so I would encourage you, don't go alone, right? You might go fast, but it'll be short. No, no, go together, right? So that we can go far. We can go all the way. And just by way of biblical reality, Jesus traveled with 12. When he sent out his disciples, he always sent them out two by two. The apostle Paul followed this model. He traveled with John Mark, with Silas, with Timothy, with many others. No, no, friends, the biblical model is to travel together. I heard a story from Dr. Henry Cloud. He shared a, a, a tale about how we actually become better. We become better people. We become more equipped to handle the difficulties of life when we travel with one another. He was telling this story about back in the days before PETA, they used to do testing on monkeys. And there was this one test they did where they put a, a, a monkey in a cage and they introduced some stressors into the environment. They, they, you know, the cage would shake, the lights would flash, there'd be some loud noises there. And then after a bit, they would stop and draw some blood and see what the stress hormones were like in this monkey. And the cortisone and epinephrine levels were just off the charts. The monkey would be totally stressed out. This is really sad, I know. Uh, the next thing that they would do is they would conduct the same test. They don't do this anymore, by the way, but this back in the day. They conduct the same test, and they would keep all the variables the same with one exception. They would simply add another monkey into the cage. So instead of just one monkey in isolation, they would add a buddy with them. And they'd do the same stressors, the same lights, the same noise, and they would take the test, and the stress levels of the monkey was cut in half. Now, they don't do that experiment on monkeys any longer. They, um, today, they use babies. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> no, but here, here's the deal. So, so Cloud, he just brought this challenge. He said, so knowing this, knowing that the stress levels cut in half when we're in community, why is it that so many of us, even in this room right now, choose to travel alone? right? The stressors will come, and, and the cage will shake, and, and the noises will happen, 
And, and we need one another. So the question I want to ask you today, who is your monkey? <laughs> All right, who's your monkey? Who, who are you in the cage with, right? Who are you going to travel together with? But let me tell you that this is very consistently the message of Scripture, very consistently. In Proverbs 18.1, it says this, the man who isolates himself, the woman who isolates herself, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. See, traveling alone is when the trouble starts, right? Traveling by yourself is scary. It just is. It, it is as you're traveling to another city, if you're, if you're backpacking through some country that you're unfamiliar with, like the idea of being alone on a journey, that, that's just like Lewis and Clark. It's the, it's the height of ridiculousness. You, you would never do it. And yet so many of us choose to do that again and again. I, I just want to tell you that there's so many benefits to being in community. A couple weeks ago, a buddy of mine was sick and so he just posted it as a prayer request on his uh, life group page. Within 30 minutes, he had soup, saltines, and Gatorade on his front porch. Right? The, the life group just rallied around him. Another story, a young couple who had just had their first baby, this was five weeks ago, and had to have an emergency C-section. Those in their life group uh, and in the Overlake family kept hot meals coming for weeks to this family. And then when another member in that couple's life group got a terrible fever, guess who stepped up to take care of him? It was this young couple with a one-month-old. The other members in the group told them, no, no, we've got this. You guys just focus on your baby. But the couple said, no, we've been showered with so much love and care, meals and prayers over the last few weeks that we want to be able to give what we've received. See, it's this beautiful picture of what life together looks like. We receive support when we need it. We offer support when we can give it. And so you need to understand that's one of the massive benefits of being in community. And of course, there's this. And I, I just say this trumps them all. Jesus and what Jesus says about being together, right? Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So when we choose to journey together, it's choosing to journey with Jesus. And it brings us to our last fill-in here. Number four, stay connected to your trail guide. Stay connected to your trail guide. Lewis and Clark had Sacagawea, her husband, as guides, and, and they would be the ones who would instruct, hey, this is a good direction to journey. This is a good way to approach this uh, nation of Native Americans. This is a great place to make camp for the winter months. And and I just, I want you to see that, that we must travel with our guide, that it is, it is too treacherous and too dangerous and the journey is too long and there's too much directional difficulty for us to handle this alone. We must journey with Jesus. Of course, he promises to be with us. Matthew 28, 20, he says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he's our guide. He is with us and he is traveling with us and he's leading us on and guiding us well. Pastor Josh was telling me of his family's experience with trail guide Ranger Lee at La Push State Park. And he, he, Josh was telling me that they were there kind of gathered as a group and the guide, Ranger Lee, gave this group lecture 
And then they all kind of dispersed and, and went to explore the park. And this ranger began to travel along, walk along with the McQueen family. And they were going along the beach. And, and the whole time, the, the guide was just pointing out the amazing wonders of creation around them. Oh, look at this. And, and notice this. And, and isn't this amazing? And at one point, he had stopped and harvested some seaweed. And he was instructing the, the kids, hey, this is called sea lettuce. And it's so amazing because it's highly nutritious. You can eat it right out of the water. And, and he was breaking it and passing it around like communion on the beach. But he was so excited to point out all of the amazing, miraculous beauty and creation. And and I imagine that's how Jesus is. As we journey with him, I I imagine Jesus constantly has an eye for just how beautiful and miraculous this life is. How wondrous moments in our days are how beautiful our relationships are and the love that we have that binds us together and, and how amazing the scripture is and, and how Jesus would use nature and love and scripture and it would all point right back to him. You see, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday last week and on that day, two of Jesus' disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus. There's a little bit of a road trip happening, and Jesus appeared and walked with them, but they didn't recognize that it was him. And so he asked them, hey, why are you guys troubled? Why are you guys upset today? And they answered, well, our Jesus has been crucified. And what's even more amazing than that is that the tomb is empty, that uh, angels appeared to a couple of ladies and, and told them that Jesus was risen, and then our disciples went to the tomb, and they found that it was empty as well. We don't know what to think. And then Jesus answered them. He said, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, examining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Friends, once again, it's why this is our guide. Because from start to finish, this book whispers the name Jesus. Jesus was not an afterthought from God. Jesus was part of the plan of salvation from the very, very beginning. And so Jesus used all of scripture to point to himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I'd underline that phrase. It's one of my favorite phrases in all the scriptures. Were not our hearts burning as we walked with Jesus and he unpacked the scriptures? Friends, I want to journey through life with my heart on fire. I want to lean into the presence of Jesus. I want to travel with Jesus. I want to value intimacy and proximity with my trail guide so that as he unpacks scripture and as he points out the the miracles of life and as he opens up relationships, that he is the one leading me and guiding me along my journey. And I know I'm not alone. I know that there are many who want to lean into intimacy with Jesus, to press in to who he is and how he will guide us along our road. And 
And then later that day, Jesus appeared to the rest of his disciples. This is in John chapter 20. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. You might want to circle the word peace. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. Friends, he's the Prince of Peace. He comes to bring peace to his disciples, his followers. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, the scripture is very clear. Jesus himself laid this out, that when Jesus was going to be absent physically from his followers, that the Holy Spirit would come. And the journey that we're on starts with the empty tomb. It starts meeting the risen Savior. But friends, this is not a journey of stumbling through the dark. No, no, we can journey with Jesus, our hearts burning within us. We can lean into the presence of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit residing in the hearts of each of his followers. The scripture is very clear, friends, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in each one of the followers of Jesus Christ. So because we stay connected to our trail guide, we can prepare for the directional difficulties We can pack well God's word, his will, his equipping in our lives. We can journey together with friends and allies, and we can choose to stay close to the guide with our hearts burning within us as we go. You know, if you remember the Lewis and Clark expedition, you know that along the way they saw wonders. Bison and herds of antelope, deer literally by the millions, mountains holding up the sky, fertile valleys, amber waves of grain. And finally, near what is today Astoria, Oregon, they set their sights on the limitless expanse of the Pacific Ocean, their destination. Friends, I don't know the wonders that God has in store for you. I don't know the wonders that he has in store for me. But I do know that life is a journey and faith is an adventure and far too many of us are lethargic and sedentary when we are meant to live with our hearts on fire. Exploring the wonders of creation, making friends along the way, living full life, staying completely alive until the moment we breathe our last breath and taking notes along the way so we can share what we've discovered. Friends, this is the journey of a lifetime. It's the journey of eternity. And the thing that I want you to know is that everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. See, I want you to take a look at this verse. This is from Romans 10, 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Please circle the word everyone. And then underneath it, I want to give you the definition of the Greek word that's used here. In the Greek, this word means everyone, all right? It means every single person who ever lived, God loves, and he invites into this journey, the journey of abundant life, the journey of eternity. So why don't you take a moment, bow your head with me, and let's pray together. For those of you who are already followers of Jesus, we offer the Lord something like this, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we are so thankful that you've invited us on this journey. We are so thankful that you are with us in grace and love and mercy. When we experience directional difficulties, we are so thankful that you are there to get us back on course. We are so thankful that you invite us to pack well, that you give us great tools to bring along. We're so thankful that you provide great relationships of brothers and sisters, that we can be supported and we can support one another. And we're so thankful, Lord Jesus, we can never be thankful enough that you're our trail guide and that you're with us always to the very end. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe your prayer goes something like this, Jesus, I still have some questions, but today I want to embrace the journey. Today I say yes to you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive forgive me for some of the places that I've wandered. Jesus, would you allow me to begin the journey with you today? Maybe you've wandered far from him and today you're, you're coming back to Jesus. Just know that when you pray that prayer, Jesus meets you with open arms, that he loves each and every one of us and that he is delighted to journey with us. Thank you so much for hearing our prayers. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, amen.